Well, good morning, Stone Creek. Man, who is excited to be in church today? Come on, make some noise. Come on. Man, I am pumped to be here. Um, how are y'all's New Year's resolutions going? Going well? Been to the gym once, twice, three times, anybody? My New Year's resolution's my beard, and if I do say, it's looking mighty fine, okay? Pretty pumped about that. Um, hey, if you have a Bible, Ephesians chapter three, get there. Ephesians chapter three, get there. Um, I used to say turn there, but I realized that like if you turn a smartphone, it doesn't really get you anywhere. All right, I thought that was a funnier dad joke than you guys did. Okay, all right. Gonna be that kind of morning. Okay, I hope I can recover from that. Y'all, y'all get it, right? Like turn, page of the Bible, turn. Okay, all right. So Ephesians 3. Um, Ephesians 3, that's where we're gonna be. Um, I'm gonna read this morning uh, a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus 2,000 years ago. And this is the scripture that this series is inspired from. And um, this part of the letter actually isn't a letter, it's a prayer that Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. And um, I wanna be real with you guys. I've been praying this prayer for you all week long. Like I've been on my knees in my office and in my house and in my bedroom praying this prayer over you guys. Like as many of you who I know individually by name, like I've been praying this for you, that the same thing that God did in the church of Ephesus 2,000 years ago that he would do in you today. I've been praying that over you. Like I want today to be way more than a sermon. Like I want today to start something in you that is unstoppable. Like I'm, I'm hoping that there is a moment where God speaks to you really personally today, where he deals with you individually, where you feel like you're the only person in the room and God's just dealing with you, doing business with you, speaking to you in your situation. That's what I want today to feel like. Like how many of you grew up in church by show of hands? How many of you grew up in church, okay? How many of you went to church camp? Like you remember the last night at church camp where you were like snarling and crying and burning your ACD records and breaking up with your girlfriend? You remember that? That's what I want today to feel like. Like I want it to have that level of grip on your soul where you know that God's got a dream for you. Like I want for you to start to dream again where some of the things that you've just relegated to being in the rear view mirror of your life that you've just said reside in the basement. Like I want that to come up again in you today. Like I want for you to leave with a vision for your life that's way bigger than your kids or your career. Like I want for you to leave with a holy passion with like an unquenchable ambition, with like unreal expectation for the more that God has for you today. And so I'm gonna read this scripture and it's funny because Paul starts out and he says um, that he kneels, but I'm gonna ask us to stand as a church. And we're going old school. I've got like my grandfather's Bible today, like which I think is cool. You might not, but I think it's cool. And um, we're just gonna go old school and we're gonna stand and read this scripture um, as a statement that we're gonna step into this, that we're gonna believe this wholeheartedly. Um, and when I finish reading, I just want us to celebrate. I want us to celebrate that God's word does not return void but that it accomplishes the purposes for which he sent it. Is anybody excited about that this morning? Come on. So let's read God's word. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, this part so beautiful, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do, give me that phrase, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Let's celebrate God's word this morning. Come on, come on. You guys can be seated. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever wanted more? Have you ever wanted more? Maybe you were binge watching your favorite TV show and it came to the end of the 91st episode of Friends in a row and your water, your eyes were like watering, but it left you on a cliffhanger and you were left wanting more. Um, any fans of the hit TV show 24 with Jack Bauer, any 20, loved 24, right? We used to have watch parties in high school. Um, I loved that show and it's like Jack Bauer had an hour to save the world, right? And every time it left you on a cliffhanger, you didn't know if Jack was gonna live or die and the clock was counting down and it left you wanting more. Um, what about maybe if you went to a fancy restaurant? Like you went to a fancy restaurant, a real small portion size, and it left you wanting more. Like, I don't know about you fellas, but like when I took a girl out on a first date, like I wouldn't eat for like a week, right? Um, and so I'd save up all my money so that I could take her out to like a really fancy restaurant where I couldn't pronounce the names of the entrees on the menu. Anybody else do this? Okay, not a lot of you. Must be a lot of single guys today. All right. Step up your game, fellas. This is what you do, right? You take her out to a really fancy restaurant and you order the entree that you can't pronounce and it comes and it's like the size of a peanut with three soggy carrots and you pay $79, right? That's what you do. It leaves you wanting more. And so then you gotta hop in your car, go through the drive-through at Chick-fil-A, hashtag Christian chicken saves the day, right? That's, that's what you gotta do because you're left wanting more. And there are moments in life, right, that leave us wanting more. If we're honest, that's what life does, is life tends to leave us wanting more. Like we look at our houses and we want more. We look at our cars and we want more. We look at our jobs and our careers and we want more. We look at our schedules and our routines and we want more. We look at our friendships and our family and our marriage and we're left wanting more. Oftentimes people just think to themselves, there's got to be more than this. Isn't there somewhere out there on the Disney Channel maybe more than this? Is this all that life has to offer? We're so often left wanting more. Have you ever wanted more for somebody else? Have you ever wanted more for somebody else? If you have kids, you undoubtedly have, right? Wanted more for somebody else. Um, my wife and I, we have a two-year-old little girl named Raleigh Ray, and she is the cutest little thing on the planet. I love that girl. Um, and uh, communicating with kids is always so funny, isn't it, parents? Like just that whole art of teaching them to talk and the speaking to them. Like right now, um, Raleigh is loving Alexa from Amazon Prime, okay? We got one of those Amazon dots for Christmas. Anybody else have an Amazon dot, Echo, thingamabob? Okay, the government's watching you. <laughs> so we got one too. And um, so like naturally I'm like, hey, Alexa, play Johnny Swim. It's one of my wife and I's favorite artists. And so Alexa will play Johnny Swim. And so Raleigh started to catch on to this. And so she's just walking around our house all the time going, hey, Alexa, hey, Alexa, play Baby Shark. Hey, Alexa, play Lego. Hey, Alexa, it's just like this, watch. <laughs> I mean, that's my girl, like. Just all the time, right? Just, hey, Alexa, hey, Alexa. And the other day I told Alexa, if she plays Baby Shark again, I'm throwing her against the wall, okay? 
But it's so funny, like communicating with kids and just that art. When um, we were first kind of communicating with Riley when she was one and we were trying to teach her to talk and to communicate, um, we taught her sign language. Okay, let's be real. My wife taught her sign language, right? Um, and so my wife taught her the sign for all done, right? So that she could tell us when she was all done. And she taught her the sign for please. Um, and she taught her the sign for thank you. Um, and, and we taught her the sign for more. And um, Raleigh didn't learn more really easily. Like it took her a while to catch on to the sign more. Like we were doing everything that we could to try to get her to understand the sign for more, but it just like wasn't clicking in her brain. Like I was starting to think that it was something on my wife's side of the family, maybe like genetically, like she just couldn't do it. Like McLaughlin's, we can do this, right? So I was just struggling to understand what was going on. Um, And so I took matters into my own hands. My wife, she uh, was out one day shopping and I had the brilliant idea to give my daughter Cool Whip, right? So I wanted her to understand more so badly. So it was lunchtime and I was feeding her and I was giving her, you know, whatever food was normal to get, like the broccoli or kale or whatever superfood my wife had on store for that day. And so I was, you know, feeding Raleigh and I was like, hey, say more, more, more. You want more of this, more, more. And she's not doing it, right? She doesn't want no more of it. And so she's not really getting it. And I have the brilliant idea. Okay, what do I want more of? Cool Whip. And so I go into the freezer and I pull out a big old thing of Cool Whip and I get that Cool Whip and I'm like, more, this right here, like I said it right, more, this is more, 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 this is more, more, Cool Whip, more, 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 right? And then I grab the Cool Whip and I'm like, more, 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 more. And as soon as the Cool Whip hits the back of baby girl's tongue, something just clicks in her mind and she goes, more, more. And from that day on, she knew how to say more and I'm no longer allowed to watch her by myself, right? Like, it's so funny, right? I so badly, like as her dad wanted her to get this idea of more, like I just wanted her to get this concept that if she was eating something that she could have more of it, that if she was thirsty and she needed to drink something that there was more available, that if she was enjoying doing something, whether it was us pushing her on a swing or walking in a park, that she could say more and that we would give her more. Like as her dad, I was just desperate for her to get this, desperate for her to see this. Do you know that your heavenly father wants more for you? Do you know that he desperately wants you to know that more is available? That if you would just ask, that he would give you more than you can imagine. Like, I don't know what is going on in your life today. I don't know what you carried in with you this morning, but I know that there is a God in heaven, the maker of all that is, and he's got more in store for you. He is not done with you yet. If there is breath in your lungs, there is more of your story to be written. The maker of heaven and earth has more for you. And Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 would say that it is immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. And I don't know about you, but I got a wild imagination. As I'm sure you can imagine. And God says beyond that, That's what I have in store for you. I love the way that the author of Corinthians says it. He says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, the heart of man has not imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It's prepared for you. It's before you. It's already done. God's got more for you. It's not like he's got to go to the store and get it. It's in the freezer. He's ready to pull it out. He's got more for you this morning. Like I want for you to imagine for a second, like just imagine with me. 
Imagine the immeasurably more in your family that God could accomplish this year. Imagine it. Like, don't remove your mind from thinking that this is just a presentation and think about God wanting to do business with you. And just imagine the more that he would want to do in your family. Imagine the more that he would want to do in your workplace. Like, imagine it. Like, try to dream of what that could look like. Imagine the more that he wants to do in your neighborhood. Imagine the more that he wants to do in our city, in our church. Imagine the more that he wants to do in, our, in your finances and in your health. Imagine the more that God wants to do. Imagine the more that he wants to work in our nation, in our desperate, broken nation. Imagine the more. Imagine the more that he wants to do in you as a parent, as a husband, as a friend, as a wife, imagine, dream, believe, contrive the more that God has for you. According to scripture, God says that whatever you can dream of, he's got more than that. He's got more than that, more than that in store, immeasurably more than that available. And here's the crazy part is he wants to bring it about through you. And that's where most of us snap out of imagining, we jolt back into reality and we go, uh-uh, pump the brakes, homie. Like there's no way that God wants to bring about immeasurably more through me. Like the ambiguous us, maybe, right? That's where we always take it. Like maybe that guy, maybe him, him on set, he seems loud, maybe him, but not me. No, 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 like I, God's not gonna bring about immeasurably more through me. I'm too shy, I'm too quiet. Like you don't know my Enneagram type, like I'm a seven, it's just not gonna work. Like, he's not going to bring about more through me. Like, I've disqualified myself. I'm insecure. I'm intimidated. I'm irrelevant. I'm, uh, it's not going to happen through me. And we just start to contrive just to make up all of these excuses and believe all of these lies about why God's not going to do it through you. But I'm here to try to instill in you the ability to dream again, to believe again, to know again that in the face of all of those lies, in the face of all of those accusations that the enemy would speak, that God still has more for you, that he wants to do it through you. Like so often we just make it about the big church and all of us together. But I'm here to tell you this morning that individually God wants to do something unbelievable through you, through your life. It's personal, deeply personal that God wants to bring about in you. And you would just go, no, man, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know my background. I don't even know what I would do. I don't even know what I would offer. I don't know if my contribution would even matter. I don't even know where to start or what to say. Like, I'm not the one. And, and, and the problem with that is that there's all this focus on you. And what God wants to do is actually so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than you. It, it, it actually, like, it's not even primarily about you, but it's what he wants to do through you. And if you would get your eyes off of you and your limitations and on to God and his extravagant ability, there would be no limit to what God could do with your surrendered life. Like, do you believe that this morning? Like, I need you to believe that there's no limit to what the God of heaven and earth can do with a surrendered life. No limit. No limit whatsoever to what the God of heaven and earth can do with a surrendered life. Like, it's so much bigger than you. Like, you were not simply meant to just, like, fit in or blend in. It's bigger than 
what other people think about you. It's bigger than other people's perception of you. It's bigger and better than even the own dreams that you've had for you. What God wants to do through you is immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And as individuals, as people, we need to start to believe this as a church. And then I know that it's difficult, but maybe if you understand what the guy who's writing this says about himself, you would begin to believe it about you. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, verse seven. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So this is crazy, right? Paul says, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Like what kind of insecurity, what kind of anxiety, what kind of deficiency do you have to say, do you have to have to say that about yourself? Like somebody get this boy a counselor and his mommy, right? Like get him a blanket and some Kleenex. Like I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Like Paul, you could have just been like, hey, I'm last. And we'd been like, we get it. But he goes, no, 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 I want for you to think like I'm less than the least, okay? So think about the person who's last, okay? Like ran a 5K, came in last. Think about that person, you got that person. Okay, Paul goes, me, I'm the guy who's at home on the couch eating Twinkies, okay? That's me. I am less than the least. I'm less than the least. Like why would Paul say this about himself? Why would Paul put himself at the bottom of the barrel? Why would he call himself the chief of sinners? It's so that you and I could never come along and try to put our name just behind Paul's and go, no, 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 I don't measure up. He goes, no, 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 I am at the bottom of the barrel. I'm as low as it goes. And if God can use Paul to be the greatest missionary on the planet aside from Jesus, then there is no limit to what he can do through you and me. Absolutely no limit. Absolutely no limit. Look at what Paul actually says about you and me. He says that his being God's intent was that now, give me that phrase, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, this is one of those scriptures that, Man, when I was in my young 20s and I was reading it, like I'd always just pass over because I was like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. Like manifold, like what does that even mean? Is that like a gas manifold? Are we about to take apart a car? Like what is happening, right? What are you even saying to me? But, but then I started to realize what's going on there and it's that God's intent was that through the church. Now, let me explain church because church is not an institution and church is not a building and church is not just a gathering. Church is not a, a, a name like Stone Creek. Church is people, the ransomed people of God called out to be on mission for his glory. The church is you and you and you and you and you and me. That is the church. And so God's intent was that through the church, through people, the manifold, the complete and utter wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What that means I don't know if you're ready for this. God has staked his character with you. He has risked his reputation on the church. He has invited the world and the heavenly places to look in on our lives, you and me, and who we are and how we live to know who God is. What? That's crazy. 
That what God has done is he's invited us to tear down people's misconceptions and preconceived notions about his character. That he wants to use you to right the wrongs of what people believe about him. Like this is like God, this is him, like a kid on a playground at school just going, hey, come play. Just come play. Come play a part in changing the world. Come play a part in people seeing me differently. Come play a part in what I'm doing. Like there is so much more that God has for each and every one of us. And the more that he has is to make himself known through us. He wants to make himself known through us. Like I wanna slow down for a second and be very, very clear this morning. I believe that this is the year of more for our church. I believe that there are more individuals who are going to advance the gospel this year than ever before. Like, I believe more of you are going to have evangelistic conversations with your neighbor this year than ever before. I believe that you guys are going to love more broken people than ever before, like as individuals. Like, don't think about us. Think about you and your neighbor. I I believe that you are going to make more disciples this year than ever before. I believe that many individuals will lead small groups and Bible studies this year than ever before. I believe that there are going to be ministries that are started. I believe that there are going to be more jobs that are quit. I believe that there are going to be more books that are written. I believe that there is more that God has for you this year than ever before. And that it's not just the ambiguous us, but that it is the uniquely you that you are called to step into. I believe that this is the year that spectator church gets left behind. Like, I don't even understand spectator church anymore. Like, I understood spectator church in like the 50s, right? In the 60s, in the 70s, where like if you didn't go to church, you were looked at as strange and weird and you didn't fit within society. But today, like it's the opposite. Like if you go to church, it's maybe a little strange and a little awkward. Like there's more pressure to not go to church than to go to church. And so why would you just come and spectate and not actually be a part? Like, let me ask you, are you bored with your faith? Are you bored? Is this this thing on autopilot? Are you wondering if there's any power left for you in the cross? If what you're doing on Sunday mornings even matters? Does it feel vibrant and life-giving and freeing and purpose-filled? I would tell you that your action and your boredom are directly connected God never invited you to come watch. He invited you to come participate. And the more that God has for us is more participators, more missionaries, more everyday, ordinary missionaries on mission to elevate the name of Jesus. That's the more that God has for you. The more that God has for you. Like, I don't know if God's got more in your finances. I don't know. I hope he does. I don't know if he's got more in your career. I don't know if he's got more in your health, but I know that he's got more for you in using you so that more people know Jesus and so that people know Jesus more. He wants to do that through you. How crazy is that? How insane is that? Like, like think about when you were a kid and what you needed, the struggles that you faced and like the challenges that you were going through and the wisdom that you needed and you just needed somebody to be in your corner and speak into your life. Like God wants to use you to be that in the life of somebody else. Like that's what God wants to do through you. Like think about the first time that you understood that you were actually forgiven of your sin. Like that man, that it was not held against you, that it did not have to play on repeat in your mind, that it did not have to be the skeleton that hung in your closet, but that God forgived you and that he loved you and that you belonged. God wants to use you for somebody else to experience that same reality. Think about the first time that you understood that you were loved, 
that you were believed in, that despite what you've done unconditionally and irrevocably, God is obsessively, dangerously, and undeniably in love with you, madly in love with you. Think about when you felt that in your soul through you. God wants to bring about that reality for somebody else. It's so crazy that all these things that God has given us, he's given us to give away. Like you've been grace, right? You've experienced grace. You've been given more than you deserve, immeasurably more than you deserve. Well, you've been graced to grace. You've been forgiven. You've been forgiven to forgive. You've been called to call. You've been rescued to rescue. You've been transformed to transform. This is the invitation for you to come play a role in the greatest transformation and the greatest story that's ever been written in all of eternity. It's exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. I mean, you know that like this book is not lined with organizational superheroes, right? Like if you open up this book, it's not gonna be like, well, this organization and this group and this 501c3 did that and then the beta club got together and went down the street and sold cookies. Like that's not the story of the Bible. That was funny, people. You can laugh. It's, I know I was intense earlier. Laugh now, okay? You're not gonna find that this is a collection of organizations. You're gonna find that there are these audacious, called out individuals who are broken and who are fractured and who are sinful and who do not have their life together and who are shy and who are awkward, but who God uses to do transformative things. This is not a book full of organizations, but individuals. I mean, just think about it for a second. Think about uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God calls Abraham, this dude, and he says, Abraham, I want for you to leave your family, everything that you have, and just go. Just start walking. Abraham's like, all right, where? God's like, just go. And he just starts walking, just following God, trusting God, just a normal dude, uh, an individual guy. Like, it's not like this, you know, crew, this posse, this gang. No, no, just Abraham starts walking. It's crazy. It's amazing. Abraham keeps walking with God and God comes to Abraham and he makes a promise and he says, hey, you're gonna be the father of many sons. Many sons had father, Abraham. I am one of them, so are you. Let's just, how many of y'all know that song? How many of y'all grew up in church? Okay, how many of y'all don't know this, that song? You are blessed and highly favored, okay? All right. But so Abraham, right, he's 99 years old. God told him that there was this promise that he's gonna have son. He's like, God, I'm 99, it ain't gonna happen. But at 100 there's more for Abraham and he gets a son named Isaac who God builds the foundation of Christianity upon. There's more for you and it's brought about through individual. I mean, think about Noah for a second, crazy Noah. That dude's insane. Like so far as we know, so far as we know, it has not rained on planet earth. And yet Noah decides to build a big boat to rescue the world, right? That's crazy. You know what's crazier than the story of Noah? The fact that you put the story of Noah in your kid's nursery, right? Like, let me put this image of an ark and all these baby animals on my kid's nursery, which is actually the story of God flooding the world and killing everybody. Sleep tight. <laughs> Weird, right? Crazy Noah. But he was an individual. He was a regular guy, just like you and me, who God called to do something crazy, something insane, and he stepped into it. He said, yes, and he got to experience the more. Nobody else did. Everybody else died, right? So, but he got to experience way more. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible, man. We could just go, think about Esther. Love the story of Esther. 
Esther is so good, right? Uh, the nation of Israel is in captivity. They're all getting ready to die. And Esther, no 501c3, no nonprofit standing behind her. She doesn't even have her family standing behind her. She's got some like crazy second cousin standing behind her. That's it, right? There's no board meetings. There's no strategy. There's no organizational development. There's one girl, one woman with enough bravery to risk her life to save her people. Where is that in us? Where has that gone? Why have we become a people who just leave it up to the man, leave it up to the organization, the church should take care of that, the government should take care of that, somebody should do something about that, you should do something about that. You've been called and equipped and graced and invited and God has immeasurably more for you. It's all throughout the Bible, man. We could go on and on. We could go David and Rahab. We could go Moses. We could go Paul and Peter and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Like, have you ever wondered why there are genealogies in the Bible? You ever thought that? You ever been like reading the Bible and you're like trying to get through it and you get to that part where there's a ton of names that you can't pronounce, so you just skip over it, right? We've all been there. Safe place. Those genealogies are in there so that you never start to think that this is something that is not deeply personal. That this is not something, this is something that is about people, individuals. God didn't just use this group. He used people who have names and stories and lives and bank accounts and jobs and wives and husbands and, uh, and kids and stories and baggage and sin. They're broken. Like he puts those genealogies in there so that you can see that they're full of these hood rat, gangster, tore up from the floor up people. They're, they're not smart, they're not educated, they're not talented, they're not gifted, they're not extraordinary, they're ordinary, but when God steps in, they do the extraordinary. And that's what he has offered for you and me to be able to come play a part in what he's doing in the world. He has immeasurably more than we could ever ask or ever imagine. Like, I really believe that there are more books that need to be written this year. I believe that, that some of you, like, you're called like you're more, the more that God has for you is to write a book. I believe that the more, like hear me say this, there's people, the more that God has for you is to quit your job. Now there's other ones of you and I believe that the more, more that God has for you, the bold and the brave, the courageous that God has for you is actually to stay in your job, to reject a promotion because you've got, God's got more for you in your church, in your community than he does in your career. The more is for you to grow where you've been planted and influence those around you. He's got more. Hey, sing, single mom, he's got more for you. Hey, stay at home mom who's just been locked into my kid is my whole world and I can't dream. He's got more for you. And that's a great call and that's a great vision, but he's, he's got more. Hey, dad who feels like the pressure to stay in this job that you hate because you've got this mortgage and you've got this this perception and you've created this image for yourself where you've got to just keep up with everybody in the community there's more for you hey per, like person who's maybe trapped in addiction and who feels like this is just gonna be your story like you're living groundhog day hog day wake up every day and it's just like repeat can't shake it can't escape it can't experience anything new there's more for you there's more for you and I know that that more is, no matter where you are or what you're going through, that God wants to use that 
I don't know if he's gonna fix it. I don't know if he's gonna solve it. I don't know if he's gonna make it better, but I know that he, he wants to use it and he wants to use you through that situation for more people to know him and for people to know him more. I know it confidently. Man, maybe you're more this year is going to chemotherapy treatments with somebody from your small group Maybe your more this year is, man, you grab a young couple and you have them over for dinner and you teach him how to grill and you talk to him about how to be a man and how to lead his wife and how to pray with his family. Maybe that's the more that God has for you. Maybe you are called to lead a group this year. Maybe you're called to lead a ministry this year. Maybe you're called to plant a church this year or be a missionary this year. Maybe you're called to move around the globe this year. I don't know, but I believe that there are audacious, crazy, dangerous, steps that each and every one of us are called to take. Like so often in the Christian community, we try to like kind of push that by the wayside. Like, no, it's the normal decisions throughout your life that are extraordinary. And there's truth in that. But if you read this book, these people do crazy things. They do crazy, insane, radical steps. We can't lose that as the Christian faith. We can't normalize this. We can't start to live like this is all that there is. No, 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 our home is not here. It's in heaven. God has gone to prepare a much better place for us. But, and so, man, we've got to leverage. We've got to risk. We've got to give all that we have to see God's kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has more. He's got more for you, and I believe he's got more for me. You know, getting married is really funny. Like, it's super funny, just the whole process the way that it works. Like girls are so pumped about the weddings. Guys don't really care about the wedding. We only care about the honeymoon. Can I get an amen, fellas? Amen. Like literally, so like when, you know, we're preparing for our wedding, like my wife is asking me all these questions. Like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about these bridesmaids' dresses? Like, I don't care, right? I just, I don't care. Like, I want to know where are we going on the honeymoon? And, and so, I was so pumped about the honeymoon. Our wedding was great, don't get me wrong, but my wife and I, um, we saved up all our money, kind of pinched pennies, and we went to Sandals in Jamaica for our honeymoon. And it was, it was awesome, it was amazing. Now, when you go to um, a Sandals-type resort, one of those all-inclusive resorts, there's all these different packages, right? And so there's like the basic package, and there's like the silver package, and the gold package, and the diamond package, and the double diamond package, and the moon rock package, right? There's just... That was funny, Moon Rocket, you get it, like all these packages. And the further up it goes, the more amenities you get, the more opportunities you get. Like you can eat in nicer restaurants and like on the Moon Rock package, you can like swim with whales and like dance with mermaids, right? Like it's just, it gets more aggressive the further you get. Well, my wife and I, we were balling on a budget, so we got the basic package, right? So we were like barely staying on property, had to wash our own towels, could only swim in the kiddie pool, right? Like that was, that's where we were at, okay? So, but it was awesome, like we loved it. It was great, really awesome time. Probably the nicest hotel room that I'd ever stayed in at the time. And so we get to about the second day of our honeymoon and um, I get a text message from our travel agent. And um, our travel agent had, um, she was somebody who'd gone to the church that I was working at at the time. And so she's who we booked the whole honeymoon through. And she sent me this text message and she was like, are you loving it? Is it amazing? Is it everything you wanted? And I was like, girl, I'm on my honeymoon. You know it is. But I was also kind of like, weird that you're asking. Um, and so I was like, yeah, it's great, you know? And um, then the next day, like, she sends me an email. Were you surprised? Like, was it awesome? How's the room? How's the view? Question mark. 
And I was like, okay, that's, that's strange. Like, I just didn't respond. And then the next day, she, you know, she sends me another email. And literally just for the next, like, three or four days, every day, she's just, like, asking me how it is, asking me how much fun we're having. And I'm like, all right, that's really great service, but kind of feels over the top. And um, we get to the second to the last day of our honeymoon, and I get a text message from our travel agent. And she says, hey, call me. And so I pick up the phone and I call her and I'm like, hey, what's up? And she's like, hey, I'm so sorry. Don't want to interrupt your honeymoon. Hope that you're having a great time. But did you get our wedding card to you? And if you got married young and broke, you know that as soon as you got those wedding cards, you went through every single one of them, didn't read a word, took out all the money and threw them away, right? Like, that's what you do. And so I was like, um... No, like, like we haven't gotten to that yet. I just want to read and savor every word when we get back home. So we haven't, we haven't read it yet. And she goes, oh, okay. She says, if you would have read the wedding card, you would have seen that we actually upgraded you to the highest package. You have moon rock. I was like, okay, okay, okay. She was like, yeah, so like, you know, you could have been, you know, like, I'm so sorry. Like when you checked in, there was a line and it it told you in the card that if you would have just gotten in this other line, you would have just a couple of steps away from where you were, you could have upgraded and you could have had moon rock. And I was like, so you mean to tell me that I could have been swimming with whales and dancing with mermaids? that I have been eating in the pizza buffet and I could have had a filet mignon. And she says, yeah. I was just a few steps away and ever since that day, I can't help but think that so many of us are just a few steps away. That like we're living these basic lives. Like we've got this basic faith We pray these basic prayers. We've got this basic vision for our life. We walk in basic promise, experience basic adventure, participate in basic Christianity when the God of heaven, our Father, has purchased for us the moon rock. He's purchased for us exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's available. It's been purchased for you. Your dad loves you. He wants more for you. He's risked the ocean for you. It's available to you. But we just keep living in basic. And I just wonder today, if you would just take a step, it's one step away, one step of crazy surrender, of daring risk, of bold bravery, of courageously going. If you would just take a step of surrender and just see what God could do with your, uns- with your surrendered life, just see. See that there's no limit, that it's immeasurable, that it's so much more exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what you could ask or imagine. Like, I believe that God's got more for our church that there are everyday missionaries who are invited to participate in the greatest reconciliation that's ever occurred. You're gonna change people's lives. You're gonna bring people hope. You're gonna let people know that they belong. You're gonna believe in people who feel forgotten. You're gonna love people who feel unworthy. You're gonna care for people who feel broken. You're gonna heal things in people who are just devastated. You are gonna do it. I believe it's the immeasurably more that he has for you, but you just gotta step. It's all it takes, one step of surrender. One, one, just moving forward in faith. And then I'm gonna ask you to just consistently stay there. You see, a lot of times we'll take the step of surrender, but then we're like, surrender, Jesus, where are you? Nowhere, all right, I'm out. 
no, 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 just take that step of surrender and just commit to consistency this year. I'm gonna take one step, one bold, brave, daring step, and I'm just gonna take that step over and over and over again. I'm gonna commit to consistency. I'm gonna watch the Lord do exceedingly and immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. What is the dream in God's heart for you? What is the dream in God's heart for you right now? What story does he wanna write? He is not done with you yet. He has exceedingly and immeasurably more. And I pray that you'd step into it. Your father wants you to know that you can ask him for more. He will freely give it. He will freely give it. Let's pray. Jesus, give us more. More than we can contain, more than we can imagine, more than we can hold on our own. God, I pray that you would give every person in the room right now a vision for their life that feels impossible to accomplish. God, I pray that you would arise revolutionaries. I pray that you would arise different difference makers. God, I pray that you would create in us this longing for more and this belief that more is available. God, let us say no more basic lives, no more basic faith, no more basic prayers, no more basic adventures, no more. God, we're stepping into the exceedingly and immeasurably more that you have for us. And you're gonna get all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. This is about you more people knowing you and people knowing you more. We love you, Jesus. It's in your beautiful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.